And with us right now, David Safir. You are the president and founder of David Safir International. You're found on the web at davidsafir.com. And that's S-A-F-E-E-R.com. David, thank you so much for joining us. It is a real pleasure to be here, Josh. I enjoy your show. And it's, it's sort of weird to be on with you instead of listening. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Uh, so, David, um, you know, you work with a lot of business owners uh, mm-hmm. and you help with one of the biggest issues, uh, especially, I'd say, you know, for, uh, you know, the great majority of this listening audience, like we've been in business for a while and, uh, you know, we're, we've maybe done some growing and scaling, we're building a team and invariably, I, I have just seen this, I've talked to so many people, they're like, yep. You hit the adolescent phase of business and all of a sudden cash flow is a major issue where people, you know, before in the earlier stages of business might say, Hey, look, I was just working as a freelancer, you know, I was just working, you know, just kind of just, just me one man shop. And then I decided to well expand because, you know, I had some great opportunities and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to all my money. Yeah, it's a real challenge. And it's this asthmus, this, this connecting point where people need to start hiring, they put in processes, and all of a sudden the business becomes much more complex and so does the cash flow. But they don't really realize it, it happens after the fact. And a lot of times that's when people turn to me mm-hmm. is their high growth businesses that have just hit a wall. Yeah, so why does this happen? Well, there's, multiple reasons. Number one is people don't track their cash flow. Number two is they don't understand the difference between cash flow and P&L. It is oftentimes I show up and the president of the company will look at me and say, David, and he'll hand me his tax return or he'll hand me his P&L and say, I don't understand. My account's telling me I made a half a million dollars in year, last year. Where'd all the cash go? And there's a major disconnect. And these are people who oftentimes have a controller mm-hmm. or have a really good bookkeeper. And what I have to show them is it's not in the PL, or it's oftentimes in the balance sheet. One owner in particular had a million dollars in inventory for a $2 million a year business. Half a million dollars was free and clear. Said, that's where your money went. It's mm-hmm. all in your inventory. If we sell that inventory that's free and clear, that's how you're going to get your cash back in business. Yeah. So, so there's, but there's different reasons for different companies. Yeah. You know, it seems like this should be much more common sense. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm always struck by the number and we've experienced this, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and that is, it's like, I'm pretty smart in business. Business right. is good. We're getting new customers. Um, you know, everything you know, if I'm just casually glancing at my business and not digging down into the numbers, uh, everything looks good from the outside. Uh, And it's those hidden, uh, you know, uh, and it's not even like the business is coming in, uh, but maybe there's like a, you know, 30 day net or there's some sort of delay between cash collected and investments out. And that can absolutely grab you and bite you in the butt. Absolutely. And even if you're looking, most people look at month to month. I don't know if you mm-hmm. do that. 
Mm-hmm. So they say, these are the sure. bills we have to pay this month. This is what we're expecting to come in. Oh, look, we've got extra money. That's great. We'll be fine. But mm-hmm. the reality is you don't pay, most people don't pay bills on a monthly basis. And certainly the cash doesn't all come in in one great big lump. So oftentimes breaking it down week to week, you start noticing timing delays where there might be a lot of bills paid at the beginning of the month mm-hmm. and the revenue comes in at the end. Or you've got bi-weekly payroll makes a big lump every two weeks and the, the money doesn't come in in the same way. So a lot of times it's a timing issue, Josh. And especially if you're using accrual accounting instead of cash-based accounting, mm-hmm. it's all sort of smoke and mirrors and theoretical profits and theoretical expenses. And you got to get real. When exactly is money coming in? When exactly yeah. is money going out? Yeah. And, and listen, we should say, David, that, that you know, if, you know, and here's another thing I've, I've, I've seen this too. And again, I'll speak for myself too. Some business owners may look at a cash flow issue and, and take that as a sign that something's bad. Like they're, they're, they're incompetent or oh. like they are, um, something's wrong with how they're doing CEO stuff. Right. And what, what would you say to someone who feels embarrassed or, you know, they feel guilty or they feel like, oh my gosh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a loser right now. I would tell you that the system's against you. What, what does that mean? When you go to business school, when you go and take a course on accounting or other things, they're not teaching you how to do small business accounting and how to take care of a small business. If you're lucky, you'll take some entrepreneurship classes. But even there, the people teaching it were taught by universities who care about what? Mm -hmm. Universities prepare people to go into big, massive companies. And big, massive companies hire specialists for every aspect of cash flow. So don't feel embarrassed you weren't taught. Your CPA wasn't taught. Your Mm. bookkeeper wasn't taught. Mm. You just kind of realize it's something different and something, a different way of thinking. It's, you know, thoughtful entrepreneurship. It's a mindset. Very much thinking cash flow is a different mindset than thinking P&L or balance sheet. Yeah. You know, I think one thing we see very commonly, and it's very akin to this, is, you know, if I'm a dentist and I went to dentist school and I'm really good at working with patients, I'm really good Mm -hmm. technically. Um, Again, they didn't teach me accounting in in dental school. They didn't teach me marketing in dental school. Like, of course, you're not going to know all that stuff. And it's, I I almost want to say, look, none of this is your fault, right? It's, it's not your fault. You just got to surround yourself with people that are going to be looking out for you. The, The best dentist, sorry, not the best technically, I'm sorry. The most profitable dentists generally have a practice manager who they know exactly how to set things up. They know how to deal with all this stuff. Let me tell you another, you talked about growing sales and somebody feeling guilty. Well, the other thing that happens um, when cash flow is uh, lacking, one of the first things people think is we need to sell more. But you mentioned it earlier that sometimes when you sell something, you could have expenses, cash expenses out before you see a dime in. If you've got a team that has to be paid 
but the client's not going to pay for 30 day, days. You've got 30 expenses, 30 days of expenses with your team. If you have to buy inventory. And then the other thing is sometimes there's businesses that say, Hey, I made a sale. So great. Where's the cash? Oh, cash. Well, we just signed the contract today. Ah, okay. So when are you shipping? Uh, you know, in two months. Oh, okay. So we'll see the cash in two months. Oh, no, no, no. The contract is that we'll invoice in 30 days. So all of a sudden, your, your quote-unquote sales that are supposed to pick you up actually drag you down. And if you'd mm. understand that, you could end up getting yourself in real trouble. And that's one of the things I see with companies very often is their, their sales are actually a drain on cash initially, uh-huh. and they don't see the benefit for a while. Yeah. So what is the, what's the solution if someone says, well, yeah, we're just we're just behind. Like we have good business. Like we have great stuff coming up ahead. Things are real. All the other, you know, all the indicators look really good. Like the number of conversations we're having in our sales cycles, everything's looking very rosy. So I feel like we're making the proper investments. So is, is the solution, they just, they just need access to capital to to kind of bridge all of that. Or is it, you know, is it, well, listen, you just got to slash and cut, man, your expenses. (laughs) You know, it's going to very much depend on the situation. Both of those scenarios are possible. But what it really takes is sitting down and understanding your particular circumstances. And if you've got this huge pipeline where you're going to double sales, you know, predictive model, then you got to say, okay, what happens to my overhead expense? So I need a bigger building. Do I need more telephone lines? Do I need more computers? Do I need more other capital equipment to bring on those people that are going to support that? Or is it purely... I mean, if you've got, for example, a, um, a software product, the incremental cost of selling one more unit of online software is negligible, where it's probably 5 or 10% of the total cost. And even then, sometimes that's paid for through onboarding fees. Mm-hmm. So the businesses can vary hugely, um, just depending on how much capital is required to grow, how many people are required to go uh, grow? And those are basically your variable costs over time mm-hmm. that they're going to grow as your company grows. Identify those, and then you're on your path towards understanding what happens if you start growing your sales a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, David, uh, what's your background that led you into this space? You know, um, I never thought I would get into this. Um, I started out in sales. And then I worked my way into general management and I was uh, the vice president for one of the divisions in Kodak mm. in Latin America. And I was told we better turn this around or we're going to shut it down. Mm. And all of a sudden I started looking at the P&L. Too often times salespeople are just looking at profit. Or sorry, at, at revenue. But what really matters is the bottom line. There's some exceptions to that. So that's what was my first personal experience with it. But then I realized, you know what, my dad, I worked for my dad mm. when I was 22 years old and he, his company was in financial trouble and they ran a spreadsheet that showed the bank, the money coming in, the money going out. And guess what? The bank extended them more credit and more credit. So they were finally able to dig their way out. And I realized that this is how I always thought that businesses were run. And it was a big surprise to me when I started doing some consulting work 
that people had absolutely absolutely no idea of how to do cash flow modeling. So I started helping some people and just it blossomed from there. And I realized there's a huge vacuum in the marketplace of people who can help companies mm -hmm. and of knowledge and information available about how to fix your cash flow, how to how to identify it and then how to manage it. Because that's part number two. First is identifying it. But then I don't want to just sit here and be a victim of my cash flow. Mm -hmm. I want to dictate as best as I can. When is my money coming in? How much is coming in? When is my money going out? How much is going out? Yeah. Getting credit lines in advance uh, versus, oh, I need money tomorrow. No one will loan you money when you need money tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so these are the types of things that are mental games, thoughtful parts of the cash flow management, not just forecasting or history. Yeah. So someone listening to our conversation right now is motivated and they're like, all right, David, I, I, I need some help. What's the best way to find help? Um, call me. Um, I'd be glad to help. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could say, go talk to your, your financial advisor, mm. but the vast majority of them will not understand this or not be able to proactively help you. They're mm -hmm. historians. That's the nature of this, the teaching we have in, in our schools. Um, there are some other people look around for cash flow managers, but I'm telling you a lot of times it's one trick up their sleeve. Use factoring, which if you don't know what that is, that's selling your accounts receivable to somebody else and they take 5% or mm -hmm. 4% or 2%. It's expensive. Or make sure all your receivables come in right away. That's a one solution. I've identified 135 ways to manage your cash. And the only ones that are going to work for you are the ones that are appropriate to your situation. Mm -hmm. So um, I literally am looking for peers to collaborate with and to work with. And there's a few out there, but they're hard to find. Yeah. So what is it that you, you provide uh, education? Uh, tell, me, tell me what your products or your offerings are. You know, at the most simple, follow me on LinkedIn. And um, uh, four to five times a week, I am addressing a cash flow topic. Uh, mm -hmm. Find me on my YouTube channel. I've got topics on there as well. But I've just launched a course mm -hmm. called Winning the Cash Flow Game that takes people from the very basics down to all the way through being able to set up step-by-step mm -hmm. -step, a cash flow system. And it depends if your, country's com if your company's complex. I've got a good spreadsheet model for you that if it's complex, but a lot of people can get by for now just with the basics. And I've got a spreadsheet for that. It'll walk you through every step of the way, the technical parts. But the, for me, because technically you can learn fairly easily. The really the most important part is the mindset exercises that are mm. part of each chapter hmm. that help you think about yeah. how to manage your cash. 
Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I, like I said, I love doing what I do. I'll be frank. It's like, you know, I, I've got some good, you know, I've got a good, really good tax guy. I've got a, you know, CFO. I, I've got a financial uh, strategist. Like I, I surround myself because I know it's, it's kind of my weak spot, but I know that if I surround myself with the right people and the right resources, then I won't fall behind in those areas of my life. So, so David, um, I see also that you offer a free ebook on your website. Yeah, uh, and that's a good one. If I remember right, it's the 10 Habits mm. of Effective Cashflow Managers. And so that one, go in there. I, I have no follow-up emails right now. I'm a terrible <laughs> marketer, but I'm trying to get better <laughs> because I want to help more people. Yeah. So you're not going to get spammed is my point. I never <laughs> intend to do that. But you'll learn 10 habits. And I'd suggest at the end of the ebook, it says which two to four habits you're going to implement. You can't implement all at once. But even just, I'll tell you the number one thing I see, the bookkeeping's messed up. If you don't have good bookkeeping, you need to invest in a good bookkeeper. Mm. Um, Number two, I see people don't have reports that are meaningful. So that's, but you can't do that until you have your good books. Number three, they avoid finances like the plague. Nobody goes into business to deal with finance all the time, except for people who are in the finance industry. Right. So the the third thing I'd suggest is get into a habit of getting reports from your bookkeeper, your finance person, your, your CPA, whoever it is, have them run the reports at least once a month and go mm-hmm. over them and make it a half hour to an hour meeting. Yeah. If you can, from a cash flow perspective on cash, that should be weekly, 15 mm-hmm. to 30 minutes, but get other people involved. So you as the entrepreneur can go about what, doing what you do best. Yes. Right. Right. And of course, you know, being able to make decisions, business decisions uh, with that uh, at your side is, is really just going to help you make much smarter decisions uh, for the uh, growth of your company as well. So uh, David Safir, this is fantastic. Your website, davidsafir.com. It's, it's like David Safer uh, um, uh, with an extra E in there, S-A-F-E-E-R.com. David, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. It's been a pleasure. Love being on your show.